Blau und weiß ein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einzige Schalker Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. The official only English-speaking podcast for Schalke worldwide. This is Schalke America. Uh, welcome to episode 80, I think four, Jack. Um, for those of you who have been uh, following along, uh, or if you don't know, you should know. Uh, my name is Richard Carmen. I am the host. Uh, as always, joining me on the show, co-host Jack Mangan. Jack, how are we doing on this uh, Monday evening? Doing all right. Doing all right. Uh, it was actually pushing 50 today in the greater Chicagoland area, so that was nice, driving around with the wow. windows cracked as if it was like a 90-degree day, you know, cranking some music, yeah. trying to get those spring vibes in. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, not a particularly exciting game uh, this past Friday. Uh, the the fourth game, or the third game, I should say, after the, the winter pause did not uh, give us maybe quite the action of the uh, the previous two. No, no, it did not. Uh, it was a... Uh, well, you know what? Let me read you the Associated Press's uh, opening line for the Schalke-Hertha match. And it says, Schalke's bid to qualify to the Champions League was denied after drawing with a big spend in Hertha Berlin 0-0 on Friday. Both teams struggled to create any quality chances in a drab contest. That pretty much sums up what the game was about. Uh, you know, the, the first half, very... I mean, really the whole game was really was really dull. Uh, I mean, Gregorich had a chance very late in the game, as did, I think, Middlestadt. But other than that, I mean, it really wasn't much. The big news really was that, uh, at least for us, it was that Nubel was starting, uh, not Schubert, mostly because Schubert was uh, sick, I believe, right, Jackie? I think he had the flu or something like that. So what, what I had heard was that, uh, and maybe I'm making this up now, you're making me nervous, uh, once you said the flu. <laughs> uh, what I thought I had seen was that, It was announced he had some sort of chronic ligament issue. Okay, maybe that's what um, it was, And so I, I'm perfectly happy to take that at face value for the time being. The thing that I thought was interesting was that I saw a number of people uh, who seemed to take a slightly more cynical view to that uh, in the sense that uh, just as Nubel is, is coming off his suspension and also just as Schubert has a pretty horrific performance against Bayern – Suddenly, Schubert has this chronic ligament issue, which is kind of open-ended and vague, right? Um, and, oh, uh, yeah, you know, he's not really quite fit to play. We're going to put Nubel back in there. And uh, potentially, I mean, unless he's been cleared as healthy again, um, this this chronic ligament issue, could you could see that being something that could linger around for a week, which turns into two or maybe into a month or something. And then suddenly Nubel's the, uh, the starting keeper again without Wagner really ever having to officially make the decision to do that. Um, which kind of bails him out a little bit. I don't know. That was sort of the cynical take I was seeing floated around. But um, for the time being, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to just assume that Schubert actually is dealing with something. Yeah, and I think the thing that the reason the cynics came out is because he said uh, he's out indefinitely, which is like, wait, what? You don't even have a timetable how long this injury is going to take? And I'm like, I mean, I guess you know, certain injuries, yeah, it can take a while, but... It just, like you said, it's too much coincidence going on, but we'll, let's take it at face value and see where it is, uh, see how his uh, health progresses, I should say. But 
Uh, yeah, it was a uh, dreary contest, not to say the least. Zero um, zero. Not many people. It was a Friday night. You know, all eyes are on us, and that was not a way to uh, show off the game of football. Uh, but if you know, we we look at the lineups just to see you know what we did put out there, um, and so boom, um, ba there we go. <laughs> Uh, gotta love doing live stuff, right? Um, yeah. So they started, you know, their formation was uh, Jarstein in goal, a solid goalkeeper in the Bundesliga. Uh, they had Klunter, Boyata, Tonoriga, and Mittelstadt, uh, who we mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, in the midfield, they had Askabar and Wolf, uh, Scalebred, Grujic, and um, Dilrosen, and then up top, Luka Bacchio. Um Hertha did make some waves because they had a lot of uh, transfers uh, during the, the last minutes of the transfer window. Most notably, picking up Christoph Piantek from AC Milan and uh, Cunha from, I believe, Leipzig. Uh, is that correct? The last one. I can't remember um, where Cunha came from. Wait, who, who was the second one? Cunha. I, I I missed that. I didn't even hear that they got him. Yeah, yeah, they got him in like last minute. So, uh, oh, might be. Hertha was Hertha was really willing and dealing. They picked up a couple other guys, but those are the two notable ones there. Um, it yeah, but t- t- tens of millions of dollars invested, um, particularly yeah. on Piontech, which was pretty crazy. I think that was, as somebody who follows AC Milan quite quite closely, how surprised were you by that? Uh, I was shocked. I was uh, certainly shocked. Um, one, that the, the, the value is that much because he hasn't really done anything this season. Yeah, last year he had amazing numbers with both Genoa and AC Milan, uh, but this year he's obviously having uh, struggled to form, so... Uh, the fact that they're willing, so willing to give up on a thirty-five million dollar—that's how they much they paid for him, thirty-five million last year—to uh, give up on him so quickly is just head scratching with the management now over there right now. But um, you know they get they get twenty-eight million from Hertha. Hertha obviously not afraid to spend big money. They did so this past summer. They're doing it so again. Uh, I think with the new investment that they have this uh, over the summer, that they're they're not afraid to spend money. And um, it could be if they can make. Uh, good purchases, you know, smart purchases. They could become a contender, uh, but we'll wait to see because yet it has yet to prove out, um, prove dividends in the first half of the season and uh, through the first game, I guess, with the new players. It's it's still a, a, a progress, I guess. Yeah, the important thing is to spend your money smartly because you can have all the money in the world, and if you're not investing it properly, um, you're going to end up like Man U more than like Liverpool or Man City, right? Um, yeah. yeah. But at least you respect uh, Berlin being willing to uh, being willing to splash the cash, and you know they had a kind of a rough start to the season, probably at the table position they'd like to be in at the Winterpause, and so they actually you know did something to try to address that and bring in some talent. So good for them. Yeah, and then so if we look at our lineup, we already mentioned that Nubel uh, started over Schubert uh, back for uh, Kenny was actually the one with the flu, not Schubert. Kenny had the flu, uh, so in his place was Kalajiri starting, and then with uh, and the rest of the back three was pretty normal: Kabak, Nastasic, and Ochipka. Midfield, you had the reinsertion of um, Weston McKinney. Uh, Omar Mascarell played as well as Sardar and Harit, and then up top you had Benito Rahman and uh, Gregorich. Uh, so. Good to see McKinney back in the lineup, obviously. Um, you know, it was nice to have Caligiri there on the field where he, he's very versatile. He can obviously play the right back because he played for that for us last season. So, um, no, any big surprises for you, really, in the starting lineup? I mean, it's pretty pretty standard for the guys that played, and they're all comfortable in the, those positions that they played at. Yeah, no surprises. Uh, I mean, we didn't see Benito Raman last week, but that's because he had an illness. We we anticipated him to be partnered back up with Gregorich uh, for this match, and that's what we that's what we saw. I'm, I don't think anyone's surprised to see McKenny 
slot it back in. Um, although I, I think maybe his place is slightly less secure than what it used to be. Um, I guess we'll have to see how that goes during the Rook render here. But um, yeah, beyond that, I mean, very, very standard. We know that Daniel Calajari can play uh, that position sliding in for Kenny. There's a lot of people that, that wanted him to be in that position from the very beginning over Kenny in the first place. Um, I mean, I wasn't one of them, but there's a lot of people that think that that's Daniel Calajari's best position as it is. Um, so that's not surprising to see him back there either. Uh, it's the same, yeah, it's the same four, four, two diamond that we've seen a lot of. Um, I will say that in this game in particular, it seemed, um, because these things, they, they can mold and shape, right. Depending on what phase of the game you're in, that sort of thing. I, I did, I did notice that it was, it was more of a three, one, four, two, yeah. um, a lot. In, it, back. Yeah. It, it, in possession, when we were building Mascarell would drop, to split the center backs, the uh, the fullbacks would push up pretty high, and then usually you'd have like maybe Weston McKenney dropping um, deep to be the one to collect the ball from the back line. Sometimes that was actually Harit too, dropping all the way from what you would call the number ten position. Kind of um, that changed depending on you know uh, I guess who was closer. Sometimes what side of the field it was on. Um, but yeah, that was an interesting thing. I mean, Schalke do some of that as it is, but I, I, that seemed to be much more pronounced and part of the game plan um, in this game for some reason. Yeah, it certainly was. Um, and another part of the game plan that I don't think any of us anticipated was the lack of substitutions. Um, Alexander Schoff came on at 78th minute, but that's about it until the 90th minute when we saw the debut of Jean-Claire Todibo. Uh, and then in the 92nd minute, we saw Robbie Matondo. So I am, you know, we've talked about this at length, you know, throughout the season, how sometimes the, the decisions to not make substitutions. Uh, when we think it's you know earlier in the game to give the guys who come on more opportunity, uh, kind of reared his ugly head again once again. I mean, the 70th minute for uh, Schoff was late as it is. You give him 12 minutes, and then you bring on two other guys at the end of the game. It almost it almost seemed like he was just content of getting a draw and and not really doing anything in this game because we weren't doing nobody was doing anything in this game, and the fact that we weren't trying to bring in bodies to um, try to impact the game was was disturbing to me. Yeah, this is something that you and I talked about a lot at the beginning of the season. It seems like we haven't really talked about that recently, I think because he's been better about it. But there were I, re- I remember there's a number of games where you and I were very concerned about this and just questioning like why he's keeping the starting lineup in there for as long as he often is. Um, and, and I feel like we have the depth to make subs because, you know, substitutions don't always have to be uh, – you know, this isn't working. I got to get a different type of player in there. Substitutions sometimes are, this is working how I want it to work. And I'm going to put another player that can do that exact same job or something similar, but it's just fresh legs. And so, I mean, you wonder why, um, McKinney, for example, right. And I thought McKinney played pretty well, but, uh, I think you and I would both agree that McKinney is somebody who, who seems to maybe not have quite the stamina, of some other players. Yeah. Um, not in the sense that he's going to stop working, but that his effectiveness potentially wears um, on the defensive end in particular as the game goes on, just because he gets a little fatigued. Um, you know, why can't you bring in Shupp earlier than that for like somebody like McKenney? I know Shupp ultimately came on, but like, you know, 70th minute, 75th minute, um, get some fresh legs on there. I mean, you have Benito Raman up top who is just running his ass off the entire game, um, which cannot be, you know, good for the stamina. I mean, it, Guido Bergstahl and Robbie Matano are perfectly capable of doing the same thing. Um, why not bring somebody on up there earlier? You know, just in any number of subs that you can make. Um, yeah, it, it's strange why he stuck with that. I, I really don't feel like we have um, such a huge difference between like our first team 
and our reserves that, you know, making a substitution is going to result in a noticeable dip in quality on the pitch. Um, I think there's people that can come in and do as good of a job. Like, yeah, we both have a preferred starting 11, but like, I mean, that's I mean, every team makes subs in games. Like every team makes yeah. subs in games pretty much. It's, I mean, it's very rare that you have a team like Schalke that's waiting as long as they do sometimes to pull the trigger on some of these. I mean, I, I know there's like, you know, there, there's, it's not unusual to see stoppage time subs because people think that speeds up the game at the end. Right. And kind of like shorten stoppage time. But um, yeah, in a, in a nil nil game, like bring somebody on. Yeah. And, and it didn't make any sense. I mean, we obviously had some guys on the bench that could probably, you know, do some impact the game and at least a little bit. Uh, Merican is on there. Obviously Matanda, we could have brought in earlier. Uh, Schoff could have been a little bit earlier as well. And as well as a guy who's sporting the same facial hair as me, Guido Bergstaller, um, He's obviously copying me. I'm not copying him by any stretch. But anyway, uh, I thought he, you know, Burkseller could have come into the game and, and replaced Gregorich. Um, who knows? Maybe he gets this a perfect kind of game for him where it's a really ugly game and all he needs is that little sniff and then maybe he gets a goal finally and breaks the duck. Um, either way, it was just they waited, uh, the team and Wagner waited way too long to make substitutions. And I thought that was, seeing that was just, it seemed negative to me. And, and I guess in a sense, it could be. Maybe Wagner just holding his cards because he know the big DFB Pokal match is coming up on Tuesday tomorrow, and he doesn't want to show all his cards to Hertha. I don't know, um, but yeah, it was just it was a little disappointing to see uh, that we we didn't we didn't go a little bit harder out for there, and um, we didn't really gain any positions on the table. Luckily, some some results fell our way, uh, so we didn't really drop or anything like that. But uh, we remain in sixth position, uh, tied with Bayer Leverkusen, who have a better goal goal differential than us. Um, Gladbach, Dortmund, Le- Leipzig's no longer in first place, and guess who's in first again? The Evil Empire, Bayern Munich. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's a, a game against DFB Pokal uh, on, on Tuesday against Hertha. Are you expecting anything different, whether be it result or the lineup? Obviously, the result has to be something because somebody's got to win, right? <laughs> you know, I, I think we'll see lineup changes. I'm not. I don't, I don't think he's going to play the exact same team. Um, in a matter of three days against the same opponent, I think just for you know fresh legs at least he's going to rotate it. Um, I doubt we're going to see the Benito Rama and Gregorich partnership up top. I think we'll probably see at least one, maybe two different people up there. A totally different striking partnership potentially. Um, Do we know if Katuchu's, uh abductor injury, whatever, is, is healed? Any? I haven't seen. He wasn't. He wasn't on the bench, right? Right, right. He wasn't at all. So yeah, he wasn't available. Okay. Second game in a row, I guess. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, we'll have to keep tabs on that. As, as I mean, I guess they're playing tomorrow, so I don't really know. I, I didn't. I didn't check Twitter today for that specifically. Yeah. Um, but I mean, even even so, I mean, like I, Robbie Matondo, Bergstaller midweek. Not that I necessarily want to see Bergstaller starting, but you know what I mean. Um, I, I I think we'll see something. Maybe we even see Juan Miranda pop in. Who knows? Or or Tadebo yeah, slot in. Um, we saw Tadebo's uh, debut very late in the game. Maybe he gets an opportunity. Um, we'll see. Yeah, maybe uh, Mercan or Bujalab or something like that. Uh, that'd be interesting to see. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw Bergsaller and or Matando uh, in the lineup. So should be interesting. Um, we did have some questions in the game because naturally people were a little uh, put off by the game plan, I guess you would say, and, and, the, and the stalemate. Uh, so we, we reached out to both you know, um, all the social media, you know, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and we got some responses um, first one we're going to go to uh, from our friends uh, in the Canadian Facebook group. Uh, the question is from Glenn William. He said, uh, "What do you think was the biggest difference?" And this is talking about Mark Uth. 
um, his games now that he's playing with a, uh, as a totally different player at Cologne. Um, so, obviously, last year when he was with us, and probably last two years, he's done jack squat. Uh, but now I guess he's got a little bit of reinvigor- reinvigoration now, and a new life maybe at Cologne, uh, getting some more playing time. Have you seen any of the games to, to make any uh, any suggestion on whether it's uh, it's the play or just dumb luck? No, I have not watched any of Mark Goot's minutes since he left, and I don't really think you can blame me based on how he had been playing for us. <laughs> I'm not going to go out of my way to watch him in Cologne in a match. Oh. Um, uh, I mean, for for a lot of his time at Schalke, he was like borderline less effective than Franco DeSanto, which is not a thing that you really want to be. Um, but sometimes it's not a matter of quality. It's just for whatever reason, a particular situation um, or style of play or just like the atmosphere at a club, you just can't settle and you need to go somewhere else, get a new change of, you know, change of scenery and new environment and maybe something clicks for you or just, you know, um, the gears get greased in that way and you, you can just play a little bit more freely, play your game. I, I don't know. It, it, I, I, I would like to think it's not that we spent so much money on him that he had this like big expectation and he just got into his head or something like that because he wasn't like that big of a signing. It just, but for whatever reason, it just never really worked out for him at Schalke. Um, so we'll see if he can keep this up for Cologne. It's a very small sample size over there right now. Um, but if he's, if he is playing well, and like I said, I haven't really been keeping tabs. I know he scored that goal, but, um, I'm happy for him. I, I want him to do well. Um, I don't take any pleasure in watching people play poorly that are, you know, on our squad or whatever. Like, you know, when Oot was in the lineup for Shelby, I wanted him to score goals. So, um, good for him that he, um, is, is going somewhere else. We can get more consistent minutes and a different opportunity. And is apparently taking advantage of it so far. Yeah, he's got uh, one goal, two assists. Uh, the very little action I've seen him, uh, I saw the goal that he scored from the left wing side. It seems like he's been playing more of winger or uh, just behind a striker. Last game against Freiburg, he played in the 10 role um, behind Cordoba. So uh, the team did well. He got an assist in that game. And like I said, he has goal and, goal and two assists so far this season. So uh, he seems to be flourishing thus far. And it's, I mean, it's good for us overall if you know he comes back or we sell. Maybe we can get more money for him either way. Um, you like to see the guy do well. Um, and Cologne needs the help, obviously, in the firepower, uh, trying to avoid relegation this season. So, um, all right, so that's that's on Mark Uth. Let's get back to Schalke, actually, this time. Uh, so, uh, this question comes from uh, Joseph Lacrida, and uh, it's a three-part question. So, we'll take it each part uh, at a time. Uh, first one is: I'm worried about the attacking power that Black and Yellow has. Obviously, talking about our rivals, uh, how can we compete against that come Derby time? Uh, for those of you who've been living in a cave or purposely uh, avoiding black and yellows, and I don't blame you, uh, they got this kid, what, 19 years old, uh, some guy named Haland, I guess. Uh, we, we all know who he is. Uh, he's got another two goals this weekend, uh, seven goals in two and a half games, three games. He's already in the top ten in scoring in the Bundesliga in three games. It's it's unreal. This kid is uh, everything that all the hype was about. Um, Dortmund was very inconsistent before he sh- he arrived. Uh, now that he's there, they seem to be pumping in goals, five goals games. It seemed like with him there, they do seem much more dangerous. Dangerous, Jack. Uh, how do we compete with them when it comes to the derby? It's a very good question. Uh, and yeah, I am concerned about the firepower of Borussia Dortmund. Um, a- as you said, uh, Dortmund have scored five goals in every game since Holland. Uh, joined them. Uh, obviously, he did not start all of those, but even off the bench was making a huge 
impact, uh, even through two games, had scored more goals than any Schalke striker in the entire season. Um, and he had yeah. played less than 90 minutes at that point. I don't know if that says more about us or more about or more about him, probably equal amounts. But um, yeah, I'm concerned. I think I think Dortmund is a team that at times has kind of looked a little shaky defensively. Um, and while their offense has kind of mostly carried them through, they can sputter occasionally. But but since this, you know, uh, you know, Gio Reyna's kind of coming through and Holland's been an absolute revelation, um, suddenly that's kind of clicking into gear. And I mean, I don't care how bad Dortmund's defense is, and it's it's not that bad, but I'm saying, you know, that's that's a criticism of them to some extent. I don't care how bad it is. Um, if you're scoring five goals a game, you're not gonna lose. Yeah. Like your your defense has to be pretty atrocious for you to not pick up three points if you're scoring those kind of goals. Now, is five goals sustainable for a season? Of course not. And they're not they're not gonna keep doing that. But um Holland is terrifying. Yeah. I mean, straight up. Like he just is. Um the kid's really good. Uh and and I said that before Dorman signed him. And it's yeah, I'm concerned about it. Because if you if you look at the table right now, um by and I think we we might we might have talked about this last week, but um Schalke very much in the mix in terms of their defensive record. Um, and I think they still have the fewest goals conceded from open play in the league this season. They've conceded a bunch from set pieces. Um, so they're not the best defensive record, but from open play, they are the best defensive record. And, the, and their stats defensively are very much in line with a lot of the other top teams. But if you look at the, the table in terms of goals scored, Byron's got 58, Dortmund's got 56, Leipzig's got 53, um, Schalke's 31. So there's a pretty significant drop off between the teams that are comfortably in a Champions League spot. Probably, um, I mean, I know it's very much open above the air still, but there's a couple teams that are they're really separating themselves in terms of the offensive output, yeah. and uh, that that is that is a concern for me because I don't I don't think we can match that, and it's going to be really difficult to um, to compete on goal difference if the table continues to be as tight as it is. You know, we, we might get into a situation where we're tied on points with somebody at the end of the season. If we don't pick it up offensively, that's going to be a problem. Yeah, really, the top four are really starting to separate themselves now. There's a five-point gap between the fourth position, uh, Gladbach, and fifth, posi- fifth and sixth position, which is uh, Leverkusen and us. Uh, so, yeah, and, and those are the te- four, top four teams are the teams that are scoring the goals uh, as opposed to us and, and Leverkusen and whatnot. So uh, that is worrying some, you know, if it comes down to, you know, goal differential or whatever, we are not going to be in the mix of that, if in that at all. Um, but, you know, in terms of the firepower that Dortmund have, it, it is terrifying, like you said, what, what Halan is bringing to this team, what he brings in general, and then how his team is kind of um, energized by his, by his approval. And, and, I mean, it's feed off of him. It's crazy uh, just how, how well he's doing for them and how much they're scoring. Um, what are we going to do? I don't know because uh, we saw what we did against Byron, and we didn't look good at all, and I don't think Byron was at even full strength at that point. So it'll be interesting. We're going to have to be very, very good, very disciplined uh, defensively. Uh, to have a chance in this one, and then when we get our opportunities, be clinical. We cannot give up these chances because uh, teams like Dortmund and, and Bayern and Leipzig they will take advantage of you if you if you don't finish your opportunities. So I think we need to be clinical as, as much as possible, um, and hopefully some people, some players step up. Uh, whether it's you know the strikers or midfielders or whatever, um, they it's going to be very very difficult. And at, at present, I am terrified to see what you know with the derby looming ahead. Um, but we still got some several weeks ahead. If it was, you know, this weekend coming up, I'd be terrified even more so. But we got some time before the Derby where we can kind of uh, get our get our get our sails uh, straightened out and uh, and get in the right foot. But we'll see. Um, the second part of the question: um, What will Tuesday's match be like? And we kind of just kind of briefly hit on that against you know the DFB Pokal tomorrow. 
it's probably going to be very much similar to what we just saw this Saturday or this uh, Friday, Jack. Um, a tight affair. Um, two teams not too not too really far apart. Yeah, they're probably like what eleven points apart in the in the table, but really they're they're similar. They don't score many goals. They don't give them many. Um, it's going to be a tight affair again, and I think maybe one or one goal is probably going to get it. Yeah, could be. Um, hopefully, it's a little bit more exciting of a contest. Um, I, yeah. I do think Schalke was the better the better team in this one. I think we had the better chances overall, but we didn't create a whole lot. Um, and honestly, it just it needs to be it needs to be sharper. I thought I thought that was one of the sloppier performances from Schalke this season in terms of um, unforced errors in the passing game, just wayward passes. Um, we really lacked that final ball in the final third to really unlock the defense. Um, and like I said, some of those were wayward passes that weren't really under pressure either, just lack of execution. Um, I, I think I think Hertha had zero shots on target. Yeah. And took like a, and took a bunch of shots. So I mean, just it, it was not a good game. Um, whatever happens, I hope it's a little bit better. But yeah, like you said, I, I would imagine it's going to be um, pretty similar. I think both teams are going to play reasonably strong lineups. Probably not the same thing, right? But you know, um, the difference is that we're at home this time. If that makes any difference, so maybe, maybe, yeah, not. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't expect I wouldn't expect a ton, but I would. I, I think it's reasonable to expect that we'll see at least you know a goal probably because we have to advance in the uh, in the cup here. So something something's got to happen, right? Yeah, I, and the one thing that did show up maybe maybe the team didn't quite show up or they definitely didn't show up against Bayern. The fans certainly showed up in in, in Berlin, and uh, the ultras were out there with the pyrotechnics, and it was it was an awesome sight. Uh, watching a lot of. Uh, 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 eyewitness uh, videos from the from the game, and I mean, it, it looked awesome out there. So I don't know if you get a chance to see that, but their flares are going like crazy over there. No, you love seeing the uh, the road support, and and you know, Shaq was a big club, so they're going to have that. But yeah. yeah, I mean, definitely shout out to those because that, that 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 can help for sure um, when you have the team behind you on the road. I mean, the fans behind you. Absolutely. Uh, let's go to the third part of the question here. Uh, it's what tactics would you use to get Shaka up the table? Uh, so I'm gonna preface this because saying that we are up in the table, we are only in sixth position. We're not, we're you know, compared to last year, we are, uh, <laughs> we're basically champions right now, right? Compared to last year, but uh, we're still in sixth place. How can we go up further in the table, Jack? Um, and we kind of little alluded to a little bit how there's some firepower above us, but what tactics would you th- would you implore to get further up the table? I would run the goal scoring play. <laughs> Hail Mary. <laughs> yeah, Vag- Wagner just over on the sideline. Run the play where you score the goal. Flying um, V. <laughs> I mean, ta- tactically, I-, I don't know what adjustments I would make necessarily. I'd have to give it some thought. Um, Guido, start scoring. I mean, we we I think I think our our tip the typical way we set up, um, we have a decent number of talented attacking people on the field because even even your midfielders like Suat Serdar and I mean Harit in that situation are I think more offensively minded right um yeah. than mask so I mean you have the two strikers plus a couple other guys um if you're playing Caligiri like you know right mid that's a pretty offensive minded player I mean he can do both right but he he has some offensive abilities set pieces that kind of thing so um it's not like we're just throwing a lone striker up top and putting a bunch of bruises on the pitch around him and being like, Hey, why aren't we scoring goals? I mean, I think we, um, have the talent to do it to some extent. Um, the problem has just been Bergstahl was brutal in the first half of the season. Yeah. Um, and if you don't have production from your striker position, 
uh, you're you're going to struggle, plain and simple. Um, you know, Gregorich missed a couple opportunities in this one. Um, not that I'm putting the loss at his feet or anything like that. Um, and some wayward shots from other people. So uh, this is why I'm not a I'm not, I'm not a coach though. I'm not I'm not David Wagner. I can't just come up with the winning formula off the top of my head. I don't know what to do specifically tactically to improve the offense. But um, I I would say that we definitely start scoring more goals because um, I mean I think we're I think we're fourth. Uh, bottom four in shots taken. Sounds like right. like and even though we're in sixth place, I think we're like ninth in XG and uh, some other stuff. So I mean, it's I don't know. I mean, if you if, if you look at it from the perspective of we have the seventh most goals scored and we're in sixth place, it's like eh, you know, I mean, it kind of lines up. I mean, I mean, there's much more to your point standing than that. But um, like I said, that's been to me that that that's been the difference between us and some of the uh, the teams ahead of us, and we definitely need to catch up in that department if we want to have a chance of qualifying. Yeah, we certainly do. And uh, giving a shout out to uh, Rosi, uh, she's a, a Spanish fan over there, uh, Valencia, supporting Schalke. Uh, we were having a conversation uh, after the game and or during the game, really. And the the thing that I took away was, you know, um, and it's it's been a, it's been a, a theme through most of our games that we act too pretty. So Harit Harit was trying to do a lot, but he kept looking for the pretty pass instead of the pass that was obvious and and wide open. He kept going for the you know trying to make the highlight real pass, and it kept getting turned over. Um, and so I think as a team in general, we need to stop trying to be too fancy in the final third and just put some shots on target and maybe a rebound go to, you know, and, and someone like Greg Rich or someone can pounce, pounce on it and get a goal. Um, at times we just try to be too pretty sometimes and the little give and goes between Sarada and Harit. Yeah. Well, they work great sometimes. Other times they cause turnovers. And I think like in the Hertha game, we were trying to be too pretty at times, specifically Harit. So if the guys can just clean up a little bit, get simple, Make the smart passes. I think we'll do better. Uh, the final third is going to be the, the the area that we need to obviously strengthen the most. I, you know, tactically, I like the four four two. It's a good formation. Obviously, having Mascarell back there has been you know great for us this season. He you know pulling the strings there. Um, I just think you know in the final third we should be simpler and and hopefully we get some rebounds and get some goals. The more shots, the more goals you get. How do you feel about our proclivity for long balls? At times they work. It, it's, it worked against Dortmund in the derby. Um, it worked for the first 30 seconds against Bayern. Um, at times it's good to have in your back pocket. You, not, you like to have that speedster like Rahman or Matando out there, but you can't just go for it all game long like they have been. And it's just, it almost seems like you're afraid to play the team. You're just going to, I'm just going to take a long Hail Mary and see what happens. You know, once in a while to do it, you know, catch a team off guard when they're when they're pressing too high, great. But I hate, you know, I I know the English game uses it a lot, or they used to use it a lot, um, and I've never been a fan of it. It's just uh, I, I prefer to play the ball through working it deep and getting crosses, or working it through the box to get a goal, as opposed to the long ball. Because that was a criticism I have of this particular game. Here is that I thought in the first half, especially, we were very long ball heavy, and it wasn't even that. Hertha was playing a particularly high block or anything. Um, I mean, they were set up for the most part in a mid block. There wasn't a whole lot of space behind to even play those balls in the first place. And I always feel like Schalke looks the most dangerous when you have the ball circulating through Harit yes. and Serdar in the midfield, potentially playing it out to a chip for you know a cutback or a cross or something. Like we we have the players and we have the talent to orchestrate um, slick passing moves. Um, and, and I always feel like that's kind of where we look most dangerous is, um, you know, in transition or on the counterattack. Um, 
and, and then occasionally, you know, we'll score off a set piece or we'll score from something around the box. But I really struggled to remember when we actually scored a goal off of a long ball this season. And maybe we have, but a lot of times for me, it, it's combination play in the center of the pitch uh, in transition or, you know, it's a set piece or something. It's not coming from that route one football. And so Wagner's proclivity for that, I think, is a little strange or maybe, maybe it's the players doing because, you know, you've, there's there's interviews that you've heard. Or supposedly that, that you know that's one of the things he he came in and did is he showed them footage from their past season was like why are you booting the ball there like you right, have yeah, options yeah, to, to play um, and I do think we've improved in that regard but I still think we play one of the you know highest percentages of long balls in in the league despite having you know decent possession numbers we're also a team that that likes that long ball which I find odd anyway um so that, that would maybe be one thing maybe we can improve in that regard is just trying to play a little bit more instead of dumping it off because I think we lose a lot of possession um from that strategy and it's not really getting us anything in return for it it's just kind of giving the ball away immediately and this system is very similar to obviously the club system you know it's a, you know the, the hammer or heavy metal whatever you want to call it and correct me if I'm wrong but there's not much of the long ball in that occasionally once in a while you will on, on a counterattack or something like that but for the most part, it's you know it's driving through and, and trying to beat your opponents, you know, with with on the ground and one on one and just fast paced counterattacking style. So, um, yeah, it's. Uh, I hope they do less of it. I mean, like I said, at times it's good to use, you know, catch the opposition off the foot. But if that's all you're doing, the opposition's got to sit back there and get the ball turned over and go back the other way. No, I agree. All right, last question. Uh, this comes from David Thielen. Um, he says, looking at Schalke's pursuit at potential future signings, I'm surprised that there doesn't seem to be any right backs among them. Right now, we only have Kenny as a true right back, and he's only a loner with no option to buy. I know Schalke wants to do their best to sign him in the summer, but shouldn't they have a plan B just in case that falls through? I think I think that's fair. Um, and maybe... Kenny's desirability at the moment is slightly under what it was maybe two months ago when he had kind of gotten out to a hot start because I think he's cooled off a little bit in terms of the impact he's been making recently. Not that he's not been fine. He has, but I think earlier he was a little bit more noticeable in terms of the way he was affecting the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think what we had been saying earlier is as much as we would like to sign him on on a permanent basis, there seems to be a decent amount of interest from other clubs. So if Everton doesn't just recall him to keep him, there's a chance that there's a bigger club that's going to swoop in and buy him and he might want to go there. Or, you know, they might offer more money um, than we can offer him. Uh, we don't exactly have the best record of uh, locking up people, um, you know. Even when we offer them good contracts, sometimes they go elsewhere. So, anyway, yeah, no, but I, I think that's I think that's valid. I don't, I do not think it's a sure thing at all that Kenny's going to get locked up. Um, and just having an aging Caligari back there, or like a Shuff, is your option. It, it is, it is pretty thin. I, so I would agree. I think, I think we should spend more effort um, in maybe trying to find an excellent player in that position. I know we've gone out after Gosens a couple times, right? Yeah. From Atalanta, and he's he's more a left back, right? But I mean. Um, he he could play on that side potentially. Not that you, that's ideal, but it, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, so yeah, I, I think I think it's I think it's a good thing that we should definitely be addressing. We should definitely get depth in both and both sides of the wings, really wing play, whether it's defensive or, or in the midfield. Uh, Robin Golsons would be a, a great pickup there. He he almost scored a fantastic goal this weekend, but um, you know, having a having a right back, you know, substitute Plan B. Same thing with the midfield, both right side and left side. I think depth is always the smart way to thing to do. I mean, all the all the best teams, not only in Germany but in, in in Europe in general, they got depth where you know if somebody goes down injured or they need a fresh legs, they bring him on, and it's almost no different, you know, from the from the first lineup. So 
we got to get back to that stage where we were in the early 2010s uh, where we had some depth, you know, we could afford some rotation. Right now there's not much rotation we can do because there's a big level, big drop-off, or there's no person in that position to pick up for, an, uh, I'd say, you know, if uh, when Kenny's out, you know, Caligiri, like you said, he's aging and Schultz not – Calgary is more like a winger, really, and so is Schulf, uh, McKenney as well. So uh, there's not many, play- no, not many true right backs or left backs or left midfielders. It's just uh, a smattering of players all around. I think we just got to do better with depth overall, and maybe that's in the youth academy. Maybe it's in the Kanapenschmiede. Uh, who knows? But um, it'd be interesting to talk to some some of the guys in the, in the academy to see what we have developing and what what's coming on the youth ranks to see. Uh, maybe there is somebody in the wings, and maybe that's the reason they're not going in the market because they got somebody in mind. Uh, we obviously know Carl's Becker uh, is is one that, the, or Jonas Carl, excuse me, um, is one that's uh, coming up through the ranks, and um, some other guys here and there. So, um, yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting. To did see. we did we sell him or is he on loan? Uh, oh, uh, he may have been sold. Actually, think about it. Anyway, we'll we'll come back to that. Yeah, but I, I feel like I feel like he maybe maybe got sold. I got to double check, but anyway. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, big game tomorrow. By the time everybody listens to this, will be the game day. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm hoping that we can uh, continue on in the DFP Pokal. We've done well thus far. We had a one scare against a lowly, uh, lowly third division team, fourth division team uh, a couple weeks, couple rounds ago. But um, I am confident that we will get a result. I don't know how good it will be, but I think we'll get a result either way. Well, let's hope so. Uh, I think when the when the draw came out, uh, Hertha maybe wasn't ideal because there were some smaller teams that maybe would have liked to get. But yeah. uh, if you're going to win this competition, you got to beat good teams eventually. Yeah. And as far as quote unquote good teams go, I think Hertha's maybe near closer to the bottom of that than the top. I mean, it's not like we're we're drawing Bayern and you know in this round or something along those lines. So um, let's go out and get it done. And uh, you know, I think I think you have to say this is definitely our best chance at at, at hardware this season uh we're not going to win the league i would be surprised if we did that i mean it's not technically out of reach but there's a lot of competition for that this season obviously we're not in europe so um this could be a good uh good vehicle to have some success this season yes it certainly will and it'd be a good jumping point to go to uh paderborn this week and we host them on saturday so uh another great opportunity to get back on get back on get back on the right track and uh, get some goals in especially you know and uh yeah, let's see what happens. Uh, first, first ups first is uh, the, the match on Tuesday, and then we go to, go Saturday from there. So it'll be an interesting couple games yeah. here. Paderborn and then Mainz after that, uh, prior to our second encounter with RB Leipzig. Yeah. Um, so this is a very important stretch of games. Obviously, with the DFP people cow fixture tomorrow, but then also two games that you that you would say are are very winnable or should be. Um, Paderborn are they still in the bottom? Or are they at seventh? Yeah, they're, so they're Paderborn's still bottom of the league. Mainz is in 15th at the moment. Um, I mean, you, you need six points. Uh, we're, we're, we, you know, we, we dropped a little bit the last couple games. Um, you know, we were in, in fifth place, kind of popping up and down into the Champions League places, and now we're in sixth. Um, and, you know, Hoffenheim just one point back, Freiburg just five points back. So we, we need to pick up some points here to bolster this campaign. But um, I, I guess what I would say uh, is that even though the last couple of results haven't been what we wanted to be. Um, if you would have told me from the first three games of the Rook Rinda, we'd finish with four points, you'd probably be fine with that ahead of time because I think what you would probably assume when you heard that is maybe you draw Gladbach, lose to Bayern, and beat Hertha. Um, but 
we still finished with four points, but just because we we started off so strongly against Gladbach and then got killed by Bayern, then kind of had a a weak game against Hertha, it, it it feels worse than perhaps it should. So I actually think a point return of four points from those three games isn't bad. Um, and now if we pick up a couple wins here, we're actually in pretty good shape. And we actually had four points to start the Hinrunde as well. So it's uh, we're on track for Europe, as they say. So uh, let's let's keep it going. Um, Anything else you want to add before we get out of here? No, I'm good. All right, I think let's uh, let's get on out. Um, we want to thank uh, Schalke, uh, Joseph Lacrida, David Thielen, and uh, Glenn Williams for contributing to the podcast today. Thank you for bringing in the questions. We love every one of those questions. Keep them coming. A uh, special shout-out not only to our good friends at NBC4 Nashville, but also to Schalke Lieben. Uh, those are a fantastic group there. They have videos on YouTube and Instagram and all that stuff. So give them a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Jack, where can our followers find you on social media? J.M. Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N on the Twitter machine. Very good. And as always, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready and we'll be with you soon. Shoos.